This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. It's good to be in God's house tonight, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, uh, this is a great crowd for a Super Bowl night. We must have some people that love Jesus here. Is, am I right about that or what? Amen. We're not judging our brothers that aren't here. But <laughs> we love them. We love everybody. You guys are good. All right. Praise God. Well, we had a great service this morning, man, and uh, it was awesome. We we saw God speak to a lot of people, and I'm loving it. Um, tonight, uh, we're kind of looking at, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking about turning this into a series, so we'll just, we'll judge uh, about how well it goes tonight, but the title tonight is Promises, Promises, and what I'm talking about is this, is the promises of God to you, because do you realize that God has made a lot of promises to us in his word, and in our, I guess in our generation, uh, in our society, we hear the word promise a lot, but then it turns out a lot of people don't, either they don't know what it means or they're lying, you know what I mean? Like, I'd like to think that maybe they just didn't know what it meant, but a lot of times it turns out like they promised you something, but they didn't have any intention of actually doing it. Good example, not to throw them under the bus, but my little guy Sam, he's always wanting gum. And whoever, a lot of you church people keep giving him gum. And so <laughs> he knows who to go to. But anyway, so people give him gum and I, I take it away from him. And I'm like, he's like, why? I'm like, because you swallow it, Sam. I promise I won't. And then, you know, so the few times that we give, you end up giving him gum, two seconds later, did you swallow it? Uh, uh, I don't know. And, but, but then the next time, Sam, you can't have gum. I promise I won't swallow it. I promise. And I'm like, you keep using that word, but I'm pretty sure you don't know what it means. Because promise means you're definitely going to keep your word on this. And then, sure enough, some some nice, wonderful, blessed, you know, wonderful church member will end up giving him gum anyway. So thank you, guys. Shout out to you. But I'm, I'm kidding. I kid. I kid because I love. But oftentimes people will use the word promise. And what we need to recognize and realize is a promise is a great big deal, right? And there are promises of God in the Bible. And a lot of times people are like, I'm standing on the promises. And, you know, that's a great old hymn from back in the day. And and the promises. And we hear people talking about the promises. But truthfully, we don't realize how powerful and true God's promises are to us. When God makes a promise, he doesn't back out of it. His word is good. You know, sometimes someone will be like, I give you my word, man. And you're like, well, that's not saying much. Your word doesn't carry much weight. In fact, that's probably a bad thing that you gave us your word. Now we know it's not going to happen. But when God gives us his word, that carries all the weight in the world. You can consider it done. You know, God says, you do this. I've got you. I'll do this for you. I know as long as I do what God told me to do, he's going to do his part. I just got to do my part. That's all there is to it. I've got to do my part and I know God's got the goods to back up his promises and I know his word's good enough. I don't need anything else. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm looking for a sign. I'm looking for if I could just if this, this and this happens, then I'll know what's going to happen. Man, I don't need all that. God's word is good enough for me. He said it, so I'm like, that's good. You know, you don't need to do anything else to prove it. I don't need you to sign here, God, and and give me your social security number and your mother's maiden name. Your word's good enough. You don't have anything else to prove. And so 
for us, I'm going to look at some promises tonight from God's word. And I want you to get a hold of this. I want you to, first of all, we're going to open up to Isaiah 25, verse 9. Now, yes, Maylie's going to have her work cut out for her on the computer tonight. I gave her no advance notice, and I have a lot of verses. So, Godspeed, friend. You've got this. She's got it. She's got it. She's good. She's good. So, so you know, King Solomon said this. He said, there's nothing new under the sun. And in and, and a lot of ways, you know, we have new technology and things, but... But, but truthfully, he's right. There's nothing new under the sun. You may think that the troubles you face, well, you know, they didn't know about this back in that day. The, 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 the troubles we face, the things we deal with, Solomon was right. There's nothing new under the sun. People have been having relationship problems for millions of years. People have been having, you know, the same type of thing we're going through. But, but one thing that I can say for sure is this. There's nothing new under the sun because the devil's been trying to discourage people for all these years also. He doesn't have any new tricks. Now, he has new avenues to try to trip us up with. He has more access into our life now because of the Internet and social media and and all this type of stuff. He's got a lot of access that probably we didn't used to give him. But he's doing the same thing he was doing a thousand years ago right now. You know, in, in 1020, you know, a thousand years ago, uh, February 2nd of 1020, guarantee you the devil was out there trying to discourage Christians and anybody else he could try to discourage, right? No doubt about it. He isn't doing anything new. He may have new avenues, but he's doing the same old stuff. And so I want you to look at this verse here, Isaiah 25, verse 9. It says, in that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. And I can tell you right now that I can proclaim right now, this minute, this is my God. I trusted in him and he saved me. Promises of God. I trusted him. I, I, you know, I, I didn't have any physical proof before my eyes, but God said, I'll do this for you. I trusted him and he saved me. He got me out of it. He made a way where there was no way. This is my God. I trusted him. He saved me. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation that he brings. So you need to get ready, man, because God's fixing to do a great big work in your life if you'll do your part. You know, God, you're like, well, I'm, I'm waiting on God. He's waiting on you. He told you to do something last year and you never did it. He told you to do something five years ago and you know he talked to you and you didn't do it. And you're sitting here, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord, brother. He's waiting on you to do what he told you to do last February. Hitting close to home, somebody? Come on now, listen, listen. God has told us stuff, and, and, and we're sitting here, well, you know, we're just sitting. God made a promise. He will do his part. You need to do your part. I need to do my part. Three things I'm going to look at this evening. Promises of God, and there's, I mean, thousands in the Bible, so we could start a series right now and finish next February and, and not even cover all of them. But listen right now. Number one, and these are straight out of the Bible. Every single one. In fact, out of the book of Isaiah, because that's one of my favorite books. So you've heard, guarantee you, you've heard every single one of these verses from me. But I'll probably get just as excited tonight as I did last time I preached about it, because these are dynamite verses, dude. These are just off the charts. Let's go. 
Number one, point number one is this. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Now you hear this in the Barstow Faith Confession. That's not just something I made up. I got that out of, out of the book of Isaiah. And I love this verse because I, well, you can start flipping there. Isaiah 26 verse one. But I read the Psalms a lot. And, 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 and there, there's this phrase that King David and the other writers of the Psalms use a lot, but they always talk about God is my refuge and my fortress. And just something about knowing right there that God has built a fort around me. I picture a fortress, man. I, I picture, you know, kind of like the Davy Crockett days, you know, they get this wooden fort out in the woods. Anyway, that's me. Maybe you picture something else, but all I know is this. The word says that God is my refuge and my fortress. I'm not going to be afraid of what the devil is going to try to do to me, what people are going to try to do to me. That's a promise from God. And so Isaiah 26, in verse 1, it says, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Can I get an amen on that one tonight? Come on, man. We're surrounded. I mean, think about that. It would be nice to have a bodyguard that stood on one side of you everywhere you went. But he, I'm, you know, what, but what if someone comes from this angle and he didn't see it? Or, or what if, what if this, what if they come from above? I, listen, that's nice and good, but I am surrounded, dude, on every single side. You could try to get me from the east. God's there. You could try to come at me from the west. God's there. You could try to come at me from any direction. And I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. That's a promise from God. That's a promise, man. And, you know, oftentimes when we hear the word salvation in our limited understanding, especially of Hebrew and Greek, we miss a lot of things. And, and you know, we've said this, but truthfully, sometimes English is kind of a weak language because we... We, we don't express a lot of the words properly that the Bible really and other languages tried to get to us. But this word, especially in the Greek, I'm reading Hebrew here in Isaiah, but in, in the Greek in the New Testament, it's this word soteria. It means not only salvation, a ticket to heaven. It means protection, uh, preservation, safety. I think about all these things that this word means. It, it doesn't just mean, well, salvation, man, I got a ticket to heaven. At least I'm not going to hell. Hey, that's good news. I'll take that right there. But salvation is the deluxe package, guys. It's not just, a you know, your, your ticket out of here. You don't have to live in hell on earth until you get to heaven. And some people think that, well, I know one of these days, man, it, it, one day in the sweet by and by, it'll get better. Why do you have to wait till then? Why does your life have to stink for the next 50 years, 60 years, 70 years until you get to heaven? Well, I'm standing on the promises, brother. And, you know, you just never know. Stop that. Quit, dude. Quit. Tired of people like that. Listen, we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. I can have a great life right now. I don't have to be afraid right now. I can be blessed right now before I ever even step through the pearly gates someday. That's going to be the best. No doubt about it. That's going to be the best. But Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
I studied heaven with the youth group on Wednesday nights. If you haven't seen me on Wednesdays, I've been helping out. You know, the youth have been wanting to hear about some end time stuff. So I'm like, you guys sure? Because we can bring the heat. And so, <laughs> well, you got time for a quick story? Okay. So the other night, this was, uh, I know, Ray knows where I'm going. This was like top ten, one of the top ten moments of my life. I'll never forget this. So we're, we're talking, and the kids want to hear about the Antichrist. So I'm like, you guys, we're, we're going to go there. So I'm, I'm reading about, I mean, we're getting into some deep stuff that I haven't even like talked about in, in here for five years. And so we're going, and I mean, we're looking at some intense stuff. They're on the edge of their seats, just like gripping. And I'm like, and I keep telling them, I'm not trying to scare you guys. It's good. We've got Jesus, man. We're going to be raptured before this guy shows up. And I believe that, that we will be raptured before the Antichrist is revealed. So anyway, we're talking, and they're on the edge of their seats, and I'm like, yeah, guys, I mean, I, I believe that he's probably alive right now. We just he hasn't been revealed to the world because the church is still here. And, and they're like, you mean he, he could be here, like, right now? And at that moment, my good, <laughs> someone just flings the door open of the room and walks through, and those girls jumped up in the air, and they screamed, man. And I, they were, it was it was a wonderful moment of my life. And that sounds bad. I should be, but they know, they know where they are. They're in here. And, and they were terrified. It was hilarious. Anyway, turns out it wasn't the Antichrist. It was just someone from church here and they're good person. So anyway. So praise God. The Antichrist did not show up in Barstow last Wednesday, but it, they thought he did. My gosh, they thought he did. Okay. And so it tells us we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Every angle, he's a fort, he's a fortress, he's a refuge. I can run to him and be safe. The name of the Lord, it tells us, is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are saved. Man, that's a good promise right there. That the name of the Lord, no matter where I'm at, I can call on the name of the Lord. I could do that at work. I could do that at school. I could do that at home. I could do that anywhere I am. And it's a strong tower. When I call on that name, I'm running to the tower and I'm getting in there and I'm closing the door behind me and the devil ain't coming in. He's not getting into the, he's not getting in to that tower. The name of the Lord, man, it's a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe because we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. You know, in Second Kings chapter six, I'm not turning there, but in Second Kings chapter six, we I've, we use this story a lot. But Elisha and his assistant, right, that that they have an entire enemy army closing in on them, and the, and his assistant, he he he's getting all scared and he's crying, and Elisha's like, whoa, 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 time out. What? Why are you afraid? There's an entire army surrounding us. What do you think I'm afraid of? He's like, time out. There's more on our side than there is on their side. And he's like, well, no, there's two of us and there's like 10,000 of them. And Elisha prays and says, God, would you open his eyes for just a minute? Just just for one minute. Let him see what I see. And God opens the young man's eyes and he sees there's they're surrounded by 10,000. But between the 10,000 and them, there's the army of angels, says chariots of fire, God's army is surrounding them on every side and he sees it and i wish you would see it there's more for you than there is against you well i don't feel that way we're not you're still living based on how you feel 
instead of the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter if I feel like it. I go by the truth of God's word. Sometimes I don't feel awesome, but God's word says, boom, awesomeness right there. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes I don't, I don't feel, you know, I'm not feeling, but it doesn't matter because I don't live by my feelings. And God's word says there's more on your side than there is against you. Well, I can't see them. That's awesome. You don't have to see them. They're there. You've got the armies of heaven surrounding you. You are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Whether you see it or not, it's totally there. It's there, and God's for you. Amen? That's, man, that's good news. Let's give God a little praise on that one. That's, that's good stuff right there. All right? And so, number one, we're surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Number two, God will keep you in perfect peace. Number two, God will keep you in perfect peace. And that's also in Isaiah 26. We're going to look at verse 3. Now, we need to explain this verse because there's some people that, you know, they don't get it. Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And that's, does, who thinks it sounds nice to have perfect peace for the rest of your life? If there's one thing I love in this world, I love and I value peace. You mean you don't ever have any problems? Peace has nothing to do with whether I got problems or not. In fact, you don't even actually know if you truly have peace until you have some problems. Because anybody can be happy. Anybody can feel all dandy if everything's good. You got money in your pocket and everything's, everybody likes you and loves you and nobody's being mean. I mean, that, that, that's no condition to test out your peace level. You know, there's some there's some things that you can't test it out until there's bad. You don't know if your roof is, you know, leaks or not until you have a good storm sometimes. Right. And and you got to test it in the weather conditions. Well, peace, you'll know that you've got peace when something comes against you in life and it doesn't totally shatter. And you're like, you know what? I'm all right, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I, that's fine. That's fine. Let them say that. Let them do that. I don't even care. I'm good. You have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It guards your heart, your spirit, and your mind, your soul in Christ Jesus. Now, notice there's two conditions to this peace, though. You will keep in perfect peace, number one, all who trust in you. Number two, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I've presented this to people before, and I know it says that. I don't have perfect peace. Well, do you trust God? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay, but, but you still don't have perfect peace? That's right. Uh, are your thoughts fixed on him? Yes, my thoughts are fixed on him. I'm just going to be flat out. Flat out. At the risk of hurting your feelings. It's impossible. There's no way. Your, your thoughts are not fixed on it. If you don't have perfect peace, your thoughts aren't fixed on God. That's just the truth of the matter. Well, that hurts. It does hurt, man. That hurts. But don't sit there and lie because you're saying right there, if you're saying that, now my thoughts, they're fixed on God, but I still don't have perfect peace. Then either you're not being honest with yourself or God's not being honest with us. That's 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 legit. That's real right there. But there is no way, no way that if my thoughts are fixed on him, that I don't have peace. God's word says it. And I've proven that true in my life a billion times. 
I know the times that I start getting rattled and anxiety and stress and depressed and, and all this stuff and I'm shaking about and, and, and I, and I lose my peace every single time. If I'm being honest, now I could lie and say, well, my thoughts were fixed on them the whole time. It wouldn't be true because every time that I've lost my peace level in life, my mind got off of God and started getting on the situation, the person, the lack, the, the, the stress. My mind got off of God. But every time, even through the thick of the storm, I've been like, you know what? No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, uh, he always causes all things to work together for my good. Any time, 100% of the time in my life that I have kept my thoughts fixed on him, even through the battle, I've kept perfect peace. Hasn't got to me. I've kept perfect peace. That's a promise from God right there. He will keep in perfect peace all who trust on him, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Well, how do I keep my thoughts fixed on him? You need to start getting some word into your heart and coming out of your mouth. Because other things are coming to your mind. Other things are trying to get at your spirit. And Proverbs 4 tells us you better guard your heart, your spirit above all else. It affects everything you do. And so we quit guarding our heart. And then the worst thing is we start speaking out the negative things that are happening. Man, it's getting worse and worse, man. It's uh, everybody's against me. I don't have any. I, I never. It, it, it always happens. You start speaking curses at your own life. And then you. But then when someone says, man, have your thoughts been fixed on God? Oh, yeah, they've been fixed on God. Drop that mic and I'm going to hit the doors because, listen, that's the absolute truth. But uh, let's look at John chapter 14 since that went over so well. John chapter 14. But you need to know that peace has nothing to do with your physical surroundings. It has to do with your inward condition. You may be surrounded by trouble, but if you have the faith to say, no, but I'm surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. I don't care about that trouble. God's got me surrounded. Then, listen, you're starting to get into that place where you're having perfect peace. So John chapter 14 and verse 27, then we'll get back to Isaiah. We don't want him to think we forgot about him. This is Isaiah's night. It's his night to shine. But John chapter 14 and verse 27, words directly from Jesus, man. It doesn't get any better than this. John 14 verse 27. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. Oh, good. You cut me a check, Jesus. You leave me some. No, he didn't. Oh, oh, good. Good, Jesus. You're, you're leaving. No, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, notice the, the two things he said there. And you guys know this. We've talked about this. He left peace. For your mind, which is your what? It's your soul, right? A lot of us got soul problems because we've got mental stress and anxiety that we just let eat us away. But Jesus said, it's okay. Hey, 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 whoa, stop that. I'm leaving you peace for your mind. Okay? And if you were to look at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, you can write that down. He says that the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Same exact same thing as John chapter 14. So Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace for your heart and for your mind. So your mind is your soul, which is your emotions, your mind, 
the things that, I mean, man, if it's not guarded, the soul and the mind becomes the devil's playground. He will just absolutely bully you around until you stand up and do something about it. But Jesus also said, I'm leaving you peace for your heart. And the, and the heart in the Bible refers to your spirit. He said, I'm, I'm leaving this to you. This is my gift to you. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. Notice that. So many people are looking to the world to give them peace, and they don't even have it. You're in the drive-thru at Burger King ordering a Big Mac. They're like, we don't have that. We don't sell that here. And you're, no, 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 no. Oh, I want it. I want it. Like, we don't have it. We can't even give it to you. And yet you're sitting there going to people in this world. Oh, if he loved me, I'd finally have peace. He doesn't have peace. He can't even give it to you, even if he did love you. Uh, uh, but if I finally got this and I had this much money, I'd have, nope. That boss, that that place of work, that person, that, that well, if my team wanted, if this, no. You are looking to the world to give you something that they don't even have. Peace comes from God, from Jesus. He said, I'll give it to you. The world, they can't even give it to you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Man, I could, I could, just, I could just take that verse right there and think about that for the next year and, be, and just be on cloud nine, man. That is beautiful stuff right there. He said, don't be troubled. It's okay. And the disciples, if you were to read this in context, they're all, they're getting nervous about Jesus dying. He keeps telling them, guys, it's, hey, I'm going away now. Uh, the, my time, it's, my, the time's approaching. It's getting closer. And he's like, guys, don't be troubled. I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm not leaving you alone, man. Peace of mind and heart. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. And the world can't give this to you. And Jesus later on told us in the book of John that the world also cannot take peace away from you. So the peace I give, the world can't give, and they can't take it away from you either. Man, if you just let that get in here, that's going to absolutely transform the way that you're thinking. What are we talking about? We're talking about the promises of God, and God promised me, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you'll trust me and you'll keep your thoughts fixed on me. You'll keep your mind stayed on me, the King James says. If I keep my mind under control and on God's word, I'm promised perfect peace. It just doesn't get any better than that. And so we're talking about promises, promises from God's word. Number one, we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Number two, God will keep me in perfect peace. And number three, I love this. For those who are righteous, you hear me? For those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. Well, where'd you get that? At? Man, I got it from Isaiah. Where do you think I got that? Where do I got everything else tonight? For those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you this verse, but you got to promise me that you're going to listen. Isaiah 26, back to Isaiah 26 and verse 7, because so many people, have this just messed up thinking that well brother listen i mean we uh, the way it's steep it's it's rough it, it's a it's a hard hard it's a hard road listen hardship and things try to come to all of us but the word of god says for those who are righteous it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be steep and rough and oh man i'm just crawling on my knees trying to get to heaven and i'm t no it doesn't have 
to be that way. Isaiah 26, and we're going to look at verses 6, or excuse me, at verse 7. But I'm telling you right now, you would do yourself a real favor if you would just read Isaiah 26 for the next couple of days. I don't think it would hurt you one bit. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 7, and this is a verse that I stand on in my life. It says, but for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Man, that's beautiful. Verse 8 says, Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. I went, man, I could just keep reading Isaiah 26, but it says right there, for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You're a God who does what is right. You smooth out the path ahead of them. There may be a rough path ahead, but what if God was right there just sweeping all the roughness out of the way, sweeping the rocks, sweeping the logs, sweeping the danger out of the way. And everyone else is like, man, this is a steep hill. This is a big burden to carry. This is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what are you talking about? You know, I heard this story that Brother Hagen told. Hopefully I tell it accurately because I've heard him tell it a lot of times. But back in, you know, back in the World War II days, he was reading this newspaper article and they were experimenting with different blimps and stuff like that about for warfare. And uh, and so one time there was guys on the ground, a bunch of Navy sailors in San Diego. They were holding this thing down by the ropes and and something broke. And a bunch of the guys went, went flying off and, and some of the guys were caught up in the air dangling hundreds of feet in the air by ropes. And, and there was people standing on the ground, children, just like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? And sadly, guys, some guys started falling off and, and it was a bad situation. But then there was this one guy, everyone's looking. He's still up there. He's still hanging around. What's going on? And and, and like what? When is he going to fall? And people are on the edge of their seats. No, don't. Get, please, please hang on. And eventually, the, the rescue workers got to him, got him on the ground, and everyone's like, how did you do it? How did you not let go of that rope? What happened? He's like, what? What are you guys talking about? They're, they're like, how, 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 how did your strength not give out? How did you hold on to that rope? He's like, Oh, I didn't hold on to the rope. He said, once I got up there and it was getting crazy, I had a few feet of, of extra slack. I tied it around me. I wasn't holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to me. And if you will wrap yourself in the promises of God and in his word, some people are like, brother, I'm just trying to hang on. It's so rough out there. I'm just trying to hang on with all of my strength. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? God's holding on to me with all of his strength. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not just trying. And, and sometimes, well, brother, you know, it says to, 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 just, to be strong says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and never told you to be strong in your might. No wonder you're tired. No wonder you're weary. No wonder you think that the path is steep and rough, brother, and everybody go. No wonder you think that stuff because you are relying on, oh, I just got to do I got to hold it. Man, wrap yourself in the word, wrap yourself in the promises, speak it out, keep your mind and your thoughts stayed upon him, and he'll be holding on to you. Amen? And so, how do you do that? I'm, I'm just as, as basic as I can be. You've got to immerse yourself in the word of God. 
There's no no time for, I mean, if you really want this victory, I mean, now if you're cool with just staying how, you know, the status quo, just keep doing what you're doing and you'll get the exact same results you've always got. That, that's fine. That's up to you. But if you really want things to change, here's a few tips, okay? Just start off with a verse or two and get it memorized and start speaking it out. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible all at once. I mean, you know, I haven't. <laughs> I don't think I ever will. But... I start off with a verse at a time, and a verse maybe turns into a chapter, or next thing you know, I've got ten verses about fear memorized. So when devil shows, when the devil shows up with fear, I just start firing these things off. I've, I'm wrapped in it, man. I start speaking it out of my mouth. Well, I, I don't have a good memory. Really. Because people tell me that, and then they can tell me the score of the 1927 World Series. But they don't have a good memory. They can tell me the batting average of Mark McGuire in 1995 or whatever, the, but I can't memorize stuff. And, and you can memorize stuff that you want to memorize. Don't lie. Quit that. That's a lie. You can memorize. You know who won the Grammy Award in 1984. You know who won the Academy Award for blah, blah, blah. And, and you, yeah, you can. You sure can if you want to. You got to change your want to. You got to change your desires, right? So if you really wanted to do it, if you really wanted to memorize some scripture, you sure could. Absolutely, you could. And so, don't give that excuse. We just knocked that out of the. Well, that's out of here. Start with something you can do. Okay. Pick a verse you can do. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Start somewhere. And here's another thing. I'm just. I'm. We're just letting all the secrets out of the bag tonight. You keep the word pouring into your life, man. How many got one of these little guys here? Yeah. Look at that, huh? Yeah, come on now. You got one, huh? So how many of you have access to a thing called the Internet? Thank you, Al Gore. We owe you on that one. It's a joke. So, but we've got the Internet, right? And we've got these phones. What, do you realize that out of the billions of apps that people download and stuff, we've got Bible apps? You guys know this. You go on YouTube and watch stupid things. You, what if you went on YouTube and, and, and typed in, Bible verses, you know, what if you went and typed, you know, the book of Matthew audio Bible, the book of James audio Bible, you know, you can do that, right? And you can start listening to it when you go to sleep. You can listen to preaching when you go to sleep. You can listen to preaching and the Bible when you're driving to work, when you're driving back, you can listen, you can get the word going in all the time. I don't have time for that. I'm listening to my sports podcast and I don't. But I don't have time for that because there's this new song that came out. And, and, and I don't have time for that because this is going on over here. You have time for what you want to have time for. I found that out. I've totally found that out. I mean, if there's something I really want to watch on TV, I can stay up a little bit late if I, if I'm, if I really want to, right? If I really want to go see this, I can make it happen. I'll cut something else out to make it happen. What if you wanted God and His Word so bad that you started cutting other things out just to get it? Imagine what would happen in your life. The same things that used to slap you around and kick you down and hold you back and steal your peace. They won't get to do it anymore. Why? Because he will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him and all whose thoughts are fixed on him. The devil comes with something like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. The word of God says this right here. And so that, no, no way. I'm good. I'm good. Don't even worry about that. Wrap yourself 
in the promises. What are we talking about? Promises, promises, promises. God has made us a whole bunch of promises. And so I got a couple more verses here. Let's just really, really, really quick go to Second Corinthians twelve nine. Second Corinthians twelve nine. And I'll probably close out right here. Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse nine. And this is some good stuff right here. Because who knows, man, that for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. And when things come against us, my gosh, we've got this beautiful gift called the grace of God. The grace of God. And so Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, what is grace? Well, there's a lot of biblical definitions to grace. But one very basic definition for grace is undeserved, unearned favor and help and rescue. Because when you're saved, it's not because you're that good. It's because God's that good, right? It's, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve heaven. We didn't earn it, but we get it anyway. Well, that's not fair. Grace is not fair. <laughs> and I'm really glad about that. Because if it was totally based upon how good I am, it would not be grace. Grace is not something you deserve, but it's something you get anyway just because God loves you that much. And so... We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And so Paul was dealing with something here that they call the thorn in the flesh. And you study this out. It's very obviously there was a person that was sent by the devil to torment him and give him all sorts of trouble in his life. A lot of people read 2 Corinthians 12 and be like, well, Paul's thorn in the flesh was he had bad eyesight and, and blah, blah. And anyway, I'm not going to debate all that. But, but what I'm saying is. Paul had a serious issue here, and there was a person sent by the devil to absolutely bring a lot of trouble and torment everywhere he went. Have you ever, you ever come across somebody like that? Like they just want to try to trip your life up, and they are a thorn in the flesh. And so here we are, Second Corinthians twelve and verse nine. And so Paul had been saying, "God, you know, what am I going to do here?" Each time he said, "The Lord said to Paul, My grace." Is all you need. My power works best in weakness. While I feel so weak of myself. Perfect. Great. Let the grace of God kick in. And quit trying to do it in your own strength. It's about time. Why? Well look at this. Look at this. He says so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So the power of Christ can work through me. When you finally come to the place where you can admit that you aren't all that, you can't do it in your own strength, you can't figure it out in your own intellect, you can't make it happen with your own money and resources, perfect. Now, you can start relying on God. And he says, hey, it's good, man. My grace is all you need. In fact, my power works best when you're at your weakest, because now you're not relying on your own strength anymore. You're going to rely on my strength. And so whatever it is we face tonight, we've looked at three promises from God's word, okay? We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. He will keep us in perfect peace. And for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. But through all of it, the common denominator to receiving all these amazing promises from God is we've got to do our part. And our part is not rocket science. You don't have to go out and figure out the meaning of life and, and you know, the theory of relativity. No, you don't have to do all that. What you have to do is trust in God and to start 
keeping your thoughts on him. And the way you do that is you start surrounding yourself with the word of God, just like you do with your music, just like you do with your sports, just like you do with your hobby, just like you do with your politics, just like you do with all this other stuff. You cut some of that out, start putting some of the word of God in. And I I promise you, you will start seeing a difference if you'll do it. If you'll do it, you'll start seeing a massive turnaround in your life. These are promises from God. We've got a few thousand more we could look at, but for the sake of time, let's just go ahead and bring it in for a landing here tonight. But listen, God's on your side, man. God's got your back, and God's ready to do something real big in your life if you'll open up and start doing things his way. Amen? All right, I'm going to go ahead and end there tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.